0: Every Sunday we gather to make much of Jesus through the preaching of God's word, worship, and fellowship together. We would love for you to come join us. We have two services, one at 830 and one at 11, and Bible study for all ages at 945. We hope you will grow in your affection for Jesus with today's message. Thanks for listening. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, you are an amazing Savior. And we thank you so much for what you have accomplished for us, that you willingly laid your life down for our behalf. You took sin upon yourself so that we could become the righteousness of God in you. And so we thank you so much, Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the life that you lived. We thank you for your resurrection. And we know that without any of it, all of this is in vain. The songs that we sing, the word that we open here in just a moment, our gathering together as your people, it's pointless without you. And so, Jesus, we we just pause for just a moment to say thank you. And hallelujah, what a savior you are. Lord, I pray that as we open your word here in these next few moments that you would instruct us. We know that your word is living and active. It's for our benefit so that we may know you more, love you more fully. And so that I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts and our eyes and our ears and that we would not just be hearers of the word only, but we would be doers of your word. We thank you for your word. And we submit our lives to it this morning. And it's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the New Testament book of Colossians, Colossians chapter one. And we'll begin reading in verse 15 here in just a moment. We'll actually be looking through most of the book of Colossians today. I know you just got nervous when I said the most of the book, but I promise it won't take long. Today's going to be a little different. We're going to kind of just hit some highlights throughout the book. We're not going to be going verse by verse. um, And so we'll be kind of hitting some highlights in it today. So I would like you to stand in the honor of reading of God's word. We're going to read Colossians 1 verse 15 together. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, he might be preeminent for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You may be seated. A number of years ago, Christy, uh, my wife, joined a gym in Temple uh, she she got a discount through her employer and she joined a gym and she talked to me a lot about this gym And what she was experiencing and all the workouts and the exercises and all of that All of that going on and really what she was doing was trying to convince her husband to join the gym with her And so I decided you know what I'll do this I'm going to join the gym and get serious about exercise and my health and um, I'm going to please my wife by joining this gym And so I joined the gym, and it was really unique. It was a good gym. Um, I enjoyed my experiences there. Um, They had a lot of different times that you could go and work out. The one that suited me best at that point in my life was right during the lunch hour. And so I would leave here. I would head to the gym. I would do my exercises, work out about 40, 45 minutes, shower, and get back here for the afternoon. The trainer that I had at this gym, who used to be a member of this church, and we've since banished her from this church. Just kidding. The the trainer at that gym, um, during the noon hour, she always liked to do the ab workout at the end. Okay? Now, I know what you're thinking. Number one, you're thinking, Matt, you actually joined the gym. Two, you're looking and going, Matt, you actually did ab workouts. Yes. Okay. And the first week of me working out abs, there were things within this central area that I never knew I had. I was sore. I was hurting. There were times where I would like, instead of sit up at a, in bed, I would kind of roll over and roll out of bed. I mean, there were things that were hurting that I didn't even know existed in my body. I was sore. Okay. Well, fast forward a week. And I'm playing basketball with a group of guys that I've been playing basketball with for a long time. And one of the guys that I play basketball with, he was a trainer. He wasn't a trainer at this gym, but he was a trainer. And I decided, you know what, maybe something's wrong because everything from here around to the middle of my back is hurting, okay? So I did something wrong, right? And so I'm like, hey, I need to ask you a question. I joined this gym, I've been working out, I've been doing all of this work and I tell you what, I'm hurting. I did something incorrectly. Something's damaged. Something's wrong in here. So what's going on? And he grabs his basketball and puts it to his side. And in a kind, compassionate trainer way, he looks me in the eyeballs and he goes, Matt, it's because your core is weak. That's what he says to me. And I'm like, okay, I can handle that. And then he gets his basketball. No joke. This is a true story. He grabs his basketball and we're warming up about to play. And he says, and so is your basketball game and throws the basketball, hits me square in the stomach where everything is hurting. And I just crumble over. I mean, I fold over and I'll tell you what, he was right. My core is weak, but my game is not. All right. My basketball game is on point. All right. He was wrong. Um, thankfully, he never guards me to prove me wrong. Um, but my core was weak is what he's told me. But here's what I know about the core, all right? Here's what I know about core. By definition, core means central, innermost, that which is the most essential part of anything. So in exercise, it's the muscle group in your abdomen. In science, it's the nucleus of an atom. In geology, it's the mass which is 3,231 miles under the surface of the earth composed of iron and nickel. In business, the core is is something that you do which meets customer needs. It's hard to imitate and can be leveraged to multiple products and markets. Think about your own values. In values, the core is the fundamental beliefs to which you hold tightly to. That's the core. And so my question for us this morning to consider is, when it comes to your life, what's your core? What is the central, innermost, the most essential part of your life? What's the defining center around which the rest of your life orbits? When you think about us as a church, as we begin a new year, year 2021, is Jesus the center of our knowing, serving, and sharing? Is Jesus the center of your life? The center of it all. Today in the book of Colossians, this, this New Testament book identifies the center of it all like few other books do in the Bible. The writer Paul uses four chapters to succinctly and powerfully highlight the centrality of Christ and then demonstrates to the church at Colossae how to live and how that applies to life. And so Paul wants to bring this church back to the core so that they then know how to live. And it's my prayer that we will all understand more fully the eternal significance of the centrality of Christ in all things. And determine how to live by this Christ-centered core. I want you to look with me at the text we just read. Look at the words that Paul uses there. Image of the invisible God. Firstborn of all creation. The creator of everything. Everything in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. The physical, the spiritual. He's the pre-existent one. The sustainer of everything, the head of the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, preeminent, the full revelation of God, and because of what he's done on the cross, he's the great reconciler. You see, these are the words that Jesus or that Paul uses to describe the person and work of Jesus. Every word, every phrase highlights this unique and and powerful dimension of who Jesus is and what he has done. You see, Paul looks at Jesus from multiple different angles, if you look at it. Multiple different angles, and he celebrates the centrality and preeminence of Jesus. So here's the first thing I want us to notice as we think about the center of it all. This is very, very important. The first thing I want us to notice is the things that Paul lists in chapter 1 here. The things that Paul lists in chapter 1 are the way things are in the universe. This is the way things are. And here's why that's significant for us as we think about the center of it all. That's significant because you and I don't make Christ the head or preeminent or sovereign. He doesn't ask our permission to be these things. We don't elect him. He doesn't run for office. He doesn't need our vote. Jesus is free from our approval, our consent, or validation. So we don't make him Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. We don't make Jesus the center. He is the center. So the question is not whether or not he's the center. That's an established fact in this text and throughout the rest of Scripture. The question is whether or not you and I have submitted and surrendered to his lordship. Have we surrendered to him being the center of our life? We don't make Jesus the center. We submit our life to Jesus being the center. And then we daily surrender our life, our ways, and our desires to him. So what we see here is that Jesus is the center of creation. He's the center of redemption. He's the center of worship. He's the center of it all. He is Lord And the goal of Colossians is to help us fully understand and appreciate the superiority of Christ in all things. Let's look at a few of the things that Paul highlights in the book of Colossians. The the first one that I want you to see is this. Jesus, the center of ministry. Jesus, the center of ministry or Jesus, the center of serving one another. What we do as a church in serving one another—Jesus is the center of that. Let's look at what what I mean here, um, starting in verse twenty-four, and we're introduced to this idea of Jesus-centeredness in verse twenty-four. He uses these pastoral tones to share his heart for the church. Look at his words that he uses, filled with love and concern. Verse verse twenty-four: I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. He's talking to the church. Verse 24, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of whom? The church. Verse 28, warning everyone and teaching everyone why that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Chapter two, verse one, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. That their hearts, verse 2, may be encouraged, knit together in love. This is the church. This is who he's talking to. Verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you. Verse 5, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Verse 6, as you received Christ Jesus, so Walk in Him. So we see here that Jesus at the center of it all creates the motivation that is at the heart of serving one another in the body. Jesus at the center of it all creates the motivation that is at the heart of serving one another in the body of Christ. This is what we're to be as a church. When we serve one another in love... Paul's saying that we'd be so knit together that Jesus-centered ministry, Jesus-centered serving would look like joyful and intentional suffering for one another. Loving correction. Deep and personal pain. When one brother or sister hurts, all of us hurt. When one brother or sister rejoices, we all rejoice. Laboring in prayer for one another. Rejoicing in the growth of one another. That all of us would have this relentless passion to see people learn to walk and to love Jesus. Jesus is the center of ministry, of serving one another, of the body of Christ, of us being together. We see that in chapter 1 that we read, that he's the head of the church. It's Jesus-centered ministry. The second one that I want you to see begins in chapter 2, verse 8, and it's Jesus, the center of our thinking. Jesus, the center of our thinking. Now, if you've studied the book of Colossians at all, you know that the church at Colossae is is being um, exposed to these heretical teachings, and Paul's concerned that they're caught up in it. You can see that in verse 8. But I want you to see that that Paul's solution is not an apologetic attack on the heresy. His solution, rather, is to call them to think rightly about Jesus. He identifies truth upon truth upon truth. Look at what he writes in verse 9 of chapter 2. So Jesus, the center of our thinking. Look at what he says. In Him, Jesus, verse 9, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. Verse 10, you've been filled in Him. Verse 11, you were circumcised by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12, you were buried with Him. You were also raised with Him through faith. Verse 13, you were dead, but God made you alive Having forgiven us. Verse 14. Canceling the record of debt that stood against us. So look at what Paul's doing. He knows that this heresy is going on in the church. And he he begins to tell them, here's who you are in Christ. Here's who Jesus is. And here's who you are in Jesus. And then he calls them to apply these truths with boldness. Look at chapter 2 verse 16. So as a result of who Jesus is and what he has done, let no one pass judgment on you, verse 16. Verse 18, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and angel worship. So here's who Jesus is and here's who you are in Christ. Therefore, don't, don't listen to these other things. Don't trust what they're saying. And then I love how he wraps it up. And he points them to Christ with this clear call in chapter 3, 1 through 3. Look at what he says. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek. That's action. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things of this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So he's telling them, church, church, my, my brothers, my sisters, think on Jesus Think of who He is and what He's done. Set your minds on on those things. Think about Christ. Celebrate the truths of Christ. Think on the promises of of Christ. Don't allow yourself to be deluded or pressured into trusting in anything other than the truth of Christ. Christ. Set your mind on Christ because your life is hidden in Him. You see, Jesus is the center, should be the, He's the center of our thinking. We should set our minds on the beauties and the excellencies of Jesus. All throughout the day, we should, we should rise up thinking about Christ. We should walk through our day thinking about Christ. We should lie down thinking about Christ. ...his beauties and his excellencies. So Jesus needs to be the center of our thinking. The last one I want you to see here... ...so we've talked about Jesus the center of our ministry... ...or serving one another. We've talked about Jesus the center of our thinking. The last one I want you to see in, in Colossians... ...is Jesus the center of living. Of living. This is where Paul really gets practical in the book. And there's a reason, the, the progression that he's made, right... He focuses on who Christ is and what he has done. Then he moves into how they should serve one another and love one another. And then they, he moves into how they think. Now it really gets practical. His argument's going to sound like this. His argument sounds like if Jesus is, is the supreme core of everything, if Jesus is the center, put away anything that doesn't fit with him and put on everything that does. And as you do that, the Spirit will work and you'll integrate Jesus into every area of life. So in other words, Jesus at the center repels some things. It creates these other things and then it transforms all that we are and do. Let me show you what I mean. Look at chapter 3, verse 5. These are the things that... Christ at the center Jesus at the center living repels sexual immorality impurity passion evil desires covetedness anger read on in verses 8 through 9 anger, wrath malice, slander obscene talk and lying So what Paul is saying is these things don't fit with Jesus-centered living. These these sins, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, anger, obscene talk, lying, these sins indicate that self is in control, not Jesus. So Jesus-centered living repels these things. And then... Second, we see what Jesus-centered living creates. Look at verses 12 through 15 of chapter 3. He says, put on then, so here's Jesus-centered living, put on then compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Verse 14, and above all these, put on love. So Jesus-centered living repels these things. Jesus-centered living creates these things in us. And these are the things that only make sense if Jesus is creating them because this is who Jesus was. And then he goes on, Paul begins to write that the transforming power of Jesus changes the relationships of life. So as we repel these things, and as Jesus creates these new things in us, transformation begins to happen in all areas of life, particularly relationships. Chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives and honor them. Verse 20, children, obey your parents. 21, fathers should not provoke their children. 22, servants, obey masters. Chapter 4, verse 1, masters, be fair to your servants. Do you see it? Orbiting around the core, Jesus, are all of these relationships And Jesus is powerful enough to transform every area of our lives. How we treat our spouses, how we love and care for our children. All the different areas of life. Jesus, living with Jesus at the center could literally transform every area of our life. So Jesus, he's the center of it all. He's the center of it all. He's the core of everything and is and, and is the center of who we are as a church. Jesus is the center of ministry, of serving one another in the body. He's the center of biblical thinking. He's the center of practical living. And so my question for you this morning is where does Jesus find you today? Where does he find you today? You see, Jesus is not some add-on or upgrade to your life. He's not something you just believe in at one point in your life and forget the rest of the time. He's not something you just believe in or some spiritual lucky charm. He's not your co-pilot, your buddy, or your life coach. No, he's Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's the center of it all. Where does he find you today? But where does he find us as a church today? Let me say this to us as a church. Our purpose statement, our mission statement, which was crafted a little over 10 years ago by some men and women in our church. And you know what it is, knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, sharing Jesus globally. Our purpose statement as a church That will continue to be who we are as a church, with or without a pastor. We will continue to seek to know him, serve him, and share him. But as I was thinking about this this message, and I was thinking about us as a church, I never want us to be a church that knows, serves, and shares removing Jesus from it all. See, the key words in that statement is not knowing, serving, and sharing. The key words in that statement is Jesus. Because we have nothing to know apart from Jesus. We have absolutely nothing to serve in the body. We have no reason to use the gifts in in this body without Jesus. We absolutely have nothing to share with the world apart from Christ. What good news do we have? If we remove Jesus from knowing, serving, and sharing, then every single bit of our knowing, serving, and sharing is in vain. It's pointless. Jesus is the center of who we are as a church. He's the center of our knowing, our serving, and our sharing. It's because of Christ that we seek to know him more. It's because of Christ that we utilize the the gifts that the Spirit has given us to edify and encourage one another. It's because of Christ. It's because we've tasted and seen that he is good that we go to our neighbor and around the world to share his love to them. He's the center of it all. Jesus is Lord. He's the center of it all. And everything in life revolves around him. So where does he find you today? Where does he find us as a church today? Is he the center of your life? Let's pray together. We're going to enter into a time of invitation. And here in a moment after I finish praying, I'll be down here at the front and if you have any questions or maybe you want to surrender your life to the Lordship of Christ, I want to invite you to just come down the aisle, share that with me. And we have some ministers here that would be be more than willing to tell you more about who this Jesus is and what he has done on your behalf. They would love to pray for you and encourage you. Maybe you are in Christ and you've been listening and maybe maybe because it's 2021 and it's a new year, maybe you just sit there for a moment and just think on christ and renew and refresh and jesus would you help me this year to surrender more of my life to you jesus the center of it all jesus we love you we thank you for who you are we know that you are lord we know that you are the center of everything And so, God, in everything that we can and everything that we are, we submit and surrender ourselves to you. Not out of drudgery, but out of delight. Because we want to, because we love you. So, Lord, be with us and help us to know how to put this into practice. Lord, help us to by your Spirit to repel the things that don't bring honor and glory to you. And Spirit, would you help to create those things in us that are of you and that all of the areas of our life would be transformed. And it's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. Are you in a weekly Bible study? If you are not connected with First Baptist Belton in one of our small groups, we would love to have you. Sunday school classes meet every Sunday morning from 9.45 to 10.45. And no matter what age or stage of life you're in, we have a place for you.